Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. G'day and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. On this windy Melbourne morning, I've got one thing on my mind, and that's getting amongst all things NRL and more specifically, round 17 of a season that is just flying by. Feels like it started, I don't know, a couple of months ago. Doesn't feel like, I don't know, 17 rounds. They have just really flown by. So I'm trying to enjoy it because we're about to get out of origin onto the run through to finals so once it gets to the off season yeah i want to be able to say i savored every moment of this season so what's in store for today we're going to kick things off with the round 17 performance highlights all the best bits from the round broken down in depth by yours truly followed by takes on all seven games from the weekend that was and we'll finish today's podcast off as usual, with the ladder watch. And of course, across the competition ladder, buys obviously come into calculation. So the ladder, not the exact reflection of where the competition is at, uh, but it still does tell us quite a bit, especially for what uh, is ahead of us. Now, top spot is Brisbane's to lose. Obviously, we know Penrith Panthers, they are clearly the team to beat. So there are a couple of real strong emerging premiership threats in season 2023. Top spot, the Broncos to lose, but the loss against Gold Coast in round 17, it does start to add some pressure yet. And any loss they have in the back end of the season, just due to the nature of their 2022 campaign, at the Broncos, there'll be some pressure along the way here. But right now, as things stand, top spot is theirs to lose. But one thing we know, the Panthers not giving up their throne without an almighty fight. Socials plug as well. If you want to keep up with all things Not Just a Sports Report, you can follow us on Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report or on whatever platform you are listening on right now. And you'll be able to see as soon as new podcasts have dropped. That will include, of course, the round 18 preview. So today, All about looking back at this past weekend's action. On Wednesday, I'll be dropping the round 18 preview and getting stuck in to all the games that are ahead of us. Shout out to the community as well that it's beginning to form, uh, getting some regular listeners, getting some regular engagement on Instagram and all the different platforms like that. And yeah, appreciate the support. I think once things get up and running, to a better degree, uh, there'll definitely be a reward for loyalty from the day ones, or for the day ones, essentially. Even though I've been doing the podcast for a bit, you know, the ones who got around it when, yeah, essentially, who knows? Who knows? We could blow up. So we shall see, uh, but appreciate the support. And of course, now there's nothing else to do, but get amongst it. This is the NRL Weekend Wrap Round 17.
as always, starting off the weekend wrap about looking at the performance highlights, which also get posted on our Instagram. Uh, so that's usually the first place it gets posted. In shorter, just more visual format. Uh, but I always like to start the podcast with the performance highlights uh, before we get into the games. Player of the round, there definitely might be a little bit of bias in this, given that he plays for my team, but Sean Johnson. I went with Sean Johnson. Now, statistically, there were other players who could have got the nod for player of the round, uh, but I just went with SJ. And it could have been Dallin Wateni Zalesniak. Now, he had an incredible game, uh, but I think Sean Johnson had a huge part in that. And he's had a huge part in not just a great Warriors performance this past weekend, but a complete turnaround of everything we've known about the Warriors in the last decade or so. Uh, looking at the game stats for this one, of course, Sean heavily involved in Dallin's success on that right edge, had two try assists, did Sean, 15 tackles, did make two errors, but he's still my player of the round. And the thing that doesn't get spoken about right now, because Sean's doing a bit of everything, he possesses a great running game, uh, his organization at halfback has really leveled up, and as has his leadership within this Warriors side. Uh, but his kicking game, now it's not always the best kick selection, uh, but he is taking on more kicking responsibility than the elite halves of the competition right now. Sean leads the comp in kick meters, has 8,072, uh, but he's a fair bit ahead of his closest rivals, Chad Townsend, who's about 7,500, Adam Reynolds, and Mitch Moses. Now, what's huge about this is Sean Johnson doing all the kicking allows for chance Nicole Klukstad to play for his, uh, to his strengths. It allows someone like Luke Metcalf to run the ball, which is where he is 100% at his most dangerous. Same for Tamare Martin, if he's chosen in the halves. So Sean Johnson, his kicking game has been massive. There has been no player in the NRL this season that has had more kicks than Sean Johnson, 264 of them. And his kicking game, quite a subtle aspect of the performances he's been putting in, but I think it's shaping for a massive season uh, going forward for the rest of the year. Not just for Sean, uh, but for the mighty Warriors as well. And when I look at this from a lens of someone who is a diehard Warriors supporter, the evolution in Sean's game has been great to see. Of course, there was a stint, which I think has actually served him really well in his development, where Sean was at the Cronulla Sharks under John Morris. Uh, but Sean Johnson, he was someone I froth. I wish the under-20s was still televised. It's a bit harder to keep tabs on it now, but I used to fucking love Holden Cup, Toyota Cup. And so Sean Johnson, he was always this incredible talent, but Warriors, we didn't rush him. We brought him through New South Wales Cup. He was showing all the right signs. And then he comes into the side. 2011. You've got someone like Kevin Locke at fullback as well, who's very young. And we've had some success at this stage in our juniors. The juniors sticking with the club for the most part. And we go on to the 2011 Grand Final. Now, everything since then 
for me personally, has been pain. Uh, but for Sean Johnson as well. I mean, when he burst onto the scene, it was like, holy shit. If he keeps this up, Warriors are in the mix for a premiership every year. But of course, Ivan Cleary left after 2011. There are a lot of factors that went into it, not just Sean Johnson. But fast forward to 2023. Andrew Webster, the coach of the club. Sean Johnson, this is the best version we've ever seen of him. The most complete in all areas. He's got the kicking game. He's always had the running game, which he's shown signs of again this year. His pass selection has been fantastic. And now the Warriors, for the longest time, everyone knew Sean Johnson was the threat, so teams could defensively prepare for him. But now, if you're looking a bit too much at Sean Johnson and just paying too much focus in that area, boom, Torhu Harris through the middle had silky ball playing. You've got Luke Metcalf. You've got Chance. You've got Dallin. There's a lot of guys in this team. Uh, the forwards have been incredible as well. But Sean Johnson is leading the way. And he has ambitions to deliver the club and the country of New Zealand, where I'm from. That's why I love the Warriors so much. Uh, to deliver the nation's first premiership. And I've said all year I don't want to get ahead of myself. But now's about the time uh, to really dial in. Obviously, we are 100% not the front runners. We've never won a premiership. But we're in the mix, so I'm starting to get very, very excited. So much so, I'm looking at September going to Sydney, especially if I can get UFC tickets. So I'm starting to get very excited. And seeing this version of Sean Johnson, oh, what a storyline, at the very least. What a storyline, and the Warriors are finally back up and running. Alright, let's keep it moving. I was like, I better not speak about the Warriors for two hours, even though I could. There's more to come on that front for sure. But moment of the round. I went with the Gold Coast Titans, pulling off one of the great ambushes, especially considering they lost their coach during the week. Now that always requires a response, but it's one thing having a response and it's a totally different beast to take the front runners of this competition, the informed side of 2023 and beat them. Now of course it was coming off Origin, uh, but you can't use that excuse because David Fafita played in the Origin game and he was incredible in this game. So moment of the round, I went for Gold Coast Titans with the huge upset over the Broncos to really shake this competition up. Now, Broncos, that grasp they had on top position, they've lost a bit of a hold on. Of course, you've got the Panthers. You still have the Storm and plenty of other teams, given how close the ladder is. Uh, but on the front side of that, or flip side rather, don't even know, I'm creating new terms here. Titans have created themselves an opportunity to stay alive in the finals race. Now, when you lose your coach, Usually that's not a great sign, but we have Interim Jim. Interim Jim. Mr. Jim Lenahan. What a way to start his head coaching tenure before Des Hasler takes over. And yeah, Gold Coast. I mean, the decision to get rid of Justin Holbrook was a ruthless one, but it could be exactly what this sleeping giant needs. Gold Coast finally showed us what their best football like, or looks like, and I wonder if they can maintain this run 
on the road home because if they can they might actually be contenders rather than pretenders which they've looked like pretenders so far but has the flick switched is this a new ruthless version we will have to wait and see now for the team of the round my best team from round 17 um now i know you've all been waiting so long sorry to keep you waiting uh, but here it is my team of round 17 at fullback had to go with scott Drinkwater. i actually think he was a bit unlucky not to be the player of the round had an exceptional performance his creativity uh, was there in spades his electric style with ball in hand keeping Rabbitohs guessing throughout the entire contest. And it's become very clear that Drinkwater is the Cowboys' X-Factor player. They need him on the park to take themselves to that premiership level, or at least in the mix. And over the last couple of weeks, well, Scott Drinkwater is hitting form, as is the rest of this Cowboys team. Three try assists against the Bunnies for Scott, as well as 11 tackle breaks, the dynamic ace, they just couldn't stop him. 11 tackle breaks is a lot, especially against a side like the Rabbitohs. He ran for 231 meters, Drinkwater had two line breaks, and over the rest of the season, he's definitely going to be one of those big names uh, to keep a close eye on. Because if Cowboys can keep this form up, well, North Queensland, they are not done yet. So fullback in my team of the week, I went with Scott Drinkwater. Uh, Honourable mentions to the likes of Chance, Nicole Klukstad, Clint Gutherson, amongst plenty of others. A lot of fullbacks having quality games this weekend. Same goes for the wingers. Uh, but I could only lock down two in my team of the round. I went with Dallin Wateni Zalesniak, obviously, on the back of that four-try performance. Possibly the best hair in the NRL, uh, although... We did run polls for that last year over on our Instagram, uh, and that award was won by Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, but as far as my wingers for Team of the Round, Dallin Wateni's a Lesniak, an absolute lock. He's in career-best form, and as a Warriors fan, he's becoming a hugely important part of our setup. And when you look at the top try-scorer list for this season, Dallin Wateni's a Lesniak doesn't sit at the top, but on average... He has the best strike rate. So I think he's played something like nine games and he's still in there pressing for top try scorer honors. On the left side, I went with Xavier Coates. Honorable mention to Murray Talungi. I thought he had an enormous game, uh, but I went with Xavier Coates. Now, isn't that funny that these two wingers, Talungi and Coates, coming off the Origin series, have just taken their games to another level. No coincidence, clearly the time uh, alongside elite players of the competition and under the tutelage of Billy Slater. It's just adding more belief, more confidence, and most importantly, more strings to the bow in terms of footy IQ. And that's why I singled out Xavier Coates here. There are a lot of small aspects of his game outside of scoring tries and making meters and all the usual things that you'd expect from a winger. Uh, but Xavier Coates, he's doing a lot of unspoken things that are getting this side on the front foot. And it was good on the Fox Sports Super Saturday coverage. It was really great to hear some of the best minds in our game uh, give some analysis on Xavier Coates and all these other things he's doing. Cooper Cronk had plenty to say. Uh, they talked to Xavier himself 
and he kind of spoke about all these little adjustments, things like finding your front and getting up to your feet quickly for a fast play the ball that gets the team on the front foot. Things like that, that as fans who just enjoy the game, we're not necessarily watching out for. Uh, but these are the kind of things that has always separated the Melbourne Storm and their system from other clubs around the NRL. And Xavier Coates, we know that he has so much talent, uh, but there is a lot of room for growth. And it is very exciting to see Xavier start to put the right pieces together. Scored a double uh, and was hugely important for Melbourne in their win over the Seagulls. So my wingers in the team of round 17, DWZ and Xavier Coates. In the centres, I went for a Penrith duo, both playing fantastic form at the moment. Isaac Tungo uh, in my centres of the round, as well as Tyrone Peachy. Now, interestingly, we've seen Tungo move to that right side of the park to allow for Tyrone Peachy uh, to play on the left while Stephen Crichton not available. Well, Peachy, he put his best foot forward. It's going to be very interesting as to whether they find a place for him in their best 17. Of course, we've seen him play a bit of dummy half this year, can play lock forward, so essentially can play as a middle forward. He's played on the edge. He's played in the halves. He's even played a bit of fullback. So Tyrone Peachy, he's always been a fantastic player. Uh, has represented New South Wales at origin level as well. Uh, but for Peach, it's been a rough time since he left Penrith as this elite player of our game. A pretty ill-fated stint at the Gold Coast, then a very unhappy time at the West Tigers. What a signing he's been. He comes in, he does a job, and it's not the first time Penrith have brought back players who have formerly already been in their system. Guys like Sean O'Sullivan, Matt Eisenhuth, who they brought uh, back over from the Tigers, Robert Jennings, who's now at the Dolphins. Uh, Christian Crichton was another one. So Penrith, they have a tendency to bring guys back that already know their systems well. Tyrone Peachy, arguably his best form we've ever seen in the NRL was when he was playing left center for the Panthers. So that is as valuable as you can get as far as depth uh, to cover for Stephen Crichton, who's obviously a lock in that side. Isaac Tungo, a lock as well. Uh, and I am such a huge fan of the body of work this kid has put together in only just over a season and a half. So Tungo and Peachy, they were my centers of the round. And it does shape is an interesting selection dilemma for next year. Stephen Crichton going to be on the way out. And obviously, there are some kids they want to make room for. Your Jesse McLeans, your Tom Jenkins uh, in that back line. But Isaac Tungo, he'll have one of those centre spots. There was talk maybe Sunia Taruva takes the experience of this year, shifts into the centres next year, and they bring him a clean or a Jenkins onto the wing. But Tyrone Peachy certainly stating a pretty solid case as to why maybe the Panthers could go with an option that, like the young guys, isn't going to set them back in terms of how much they pay for the contract. But Tyrone Peachy... For next year, he could definitely be in the frame uh, for a starting centre position to be the preferred guy week in, week out. Uh, and off this performance as well for Peachy, it's massive for the season going forward. Of course, there are always injuries. There are always things going down 
in the NRL season. So there are going to be opportunities here. And Tyron Peachy, off the back of what he's been producing, I think he's going he's gonna to be a pretty vital part of this side's depth as they push for the three-peat. So centers Isaac Tungo, Tyrone Peachy in the halves. I went with Jonah Pezzett. Uh, a few others had some great games. Jack Whiten, Dejan Arcee. Uh, but I went for Jonah Pezzett. He went out, just did his job, and he continues to develop. And they don't need him. Like Munster, Hughes, Meany, Pappenhausen, Harry Grant. There are all these other guys that have the burden of creating points for the side and doing all the kind of X-factor plays. Whereas Jonah Pezzett, still young, right now they've simplified his role. We've seen he has an epic kicking game uh, to set up a couple of tries there. So Jonah Pezzett coming along very nicely. And I think it was the right call. They did let go of Cooper Johns. Uh, but I think what the Storm are doing here is perfect. Munster and Hughes, they have a mortgage on their respective jerseys. Jonah Pezzett as that next guy up, I love it. So huge fan. I had Pezzett as my 5-8 in team of the round. And of course, player of the round, halfback Sean Johnson. In the dummy half position, I went with Harry Grant to back up after Origin, play 75 minutes against Manly, make 52 tackles. Uh, Harry Grant is tough as nails. And look, it's interesting to see how much he flourishes coming off the bench in the Origin Arena and the International Arena. Uh, but for the Melbourne Storm, he's there to play the full 80. So he plays a bit of a different style, doesn't always bring his running game uh, to the party. But the beautiful thing about that is Harry Grant, and we see it with other teams like Josh Hodgson has been guilty of it before, uh, but you see a lot where sometimes the dummy half tries to be a little bit too creative and it can almost work against you, where sometimes the best success is just clean pill to your halves. I mean, Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster, two guys you can pretty much lean on to get the job done. So for Harry Grant, most of the time at NRL level, it's defensively where he's getting stuck into his work. Uh, but I think once we reach finals, in terms of going to that next level to really push for a premiership, I think Harry Grant still has a few tricks up his sleeve. And I can't fault him at all so far this season, but I feel like there's a bit to come. I think come finals, with the best defensive teams in the comp marking up against Cam Munster, Jerome Hughes, that's where I think Harry Grant could really come into play. Throw in the fact that we might just have Ryan Pappenhausen at the back end of the season, uh, linking up with the likes of Grant and Munster. And Storm, they're in a pretty good spot. So Harry Grant, uh, dummy half in my team of the round. Front row, I went with Adam Fanua Blake and Mo Fotuaka. Huge minutes from Mo Fotuaka, backing up from Origin. And he's hit that form again, that he originally got selected in Origin. Uh, I believe it was the 2020 series, or maybe the one before. Uh, but Mo Fotowaker, the talent's always been there. Last year, we weren't really seeing it. He was coming off the bench. Uh, but once again, big Mo, back to his best. Same goes for Adam Fanua Blake, uh, both playing at a world-class tilt right now. In the back row, a shout-out to Jeremiah Nanai. Just missed out on selection. Uh, but I went with David Fafita and Nelson Asofa-Solomona. David Fafita... 
I mean, it's so good to see him uh, reaching his potential, which last year and the year before, it just, it looked like this could be an epic fail. So much so to the point where the Raiders, the Dragons, potentially the Broncos, maybe even the Dolphins. There was a point before Fafita re-signed with the Gold Coast where it looked like they were just going to have to can the experiment. Uh, but for now, you look at the form David Fafita is in, still young, you've got Mo Fodawaka, you've got Tino Fasua Malaawe, and that was something I spoke about two seasons ago, or maybe last year when they had a poor year. They have some of the best middle forwards and edge forwards in the competition, and they're still young. Throw in Cleese Haas and Isaac Fasua Malaawe, and if they can even scratch the surface of what their brothers are doing, Gold Coast have a very, very strong forward pack. So David Fafita, as just a general fan of the game and someone that would love to see the Gold Coast do well, I'm loving David Fafita's form, especially given it's not all these freakish attacking plays that we've come to love. It seems like when I was mentioning Xavier Coates and like all these unspoken things in players' games that maybe we as fans don't pay close attention to, more so than the coaching staff would be, uh, and they'd go back and watch tape. But it seems like David Fafita is nailing all the little things right. And that is evident by the fact Queensland already have the series cinched up. And David Fafita, he didn't play off the bench. He played a huge role in the starting back row position. And he's, he's still got so much improvement in his game. That's what's scary, especially when you consider Des Hasler on his way to the club. Des Hasler known, he was kind of the first guy, or one of the first to really revolutionize technology within the game. And sometimes it seems like Des, the intense tape studies and just the insanely accurate breakdown of every little moment of every little game, that can also be to a side's detriment. Uh, but I think Gold Coast Titans, this is kind of exactly what they need. They need everything like that just broken down in depth. So Des Hasler with Kieran Foran and David Fafita outside of him. The Gold Coast are heading in the right direction and that was a massive win on the weekend. A lot of that down to the performances of Fodawaka and David Fafita, both in the team of the round. Uh, and Big Nelson, a Sofa Solomona, just edged out Jeremiah Nanai in the team of the week. Uh, but Big Nelson... He just is so important to what the Melbourne Storm are doing. And we've seen with no Bromwich brothers now, no Felice Cafusi, no Brandon Smith, they have lost so much experience. Like there is a significant void in that Melbourne Storm pack. And it's a credit to the guys who it's now their time in this new era for the Melbourne Storm. Uh, but now so more than ever, Big Nelson shapes as a very crucial player. And usually... We would look at, you know, historically with the Storm, you think spine players, Slaters, Cronks, Smiths, even your Inglises, your Falaus at one stage. Uh, but for the first time in a while, Nelson Asofa Solomona, he's probably that guy. We've seen. There was no Cam Munster on the weekend. They've shown they can perform without Munster. Uh, if Hughes goes down, we see Jonah Pezzett. He's going to be ready to step up. Now, Nelson, if he goes down, there is nobody that can replicate 
what Nelson does. And he's playing on an edge. I believe he'll go back to the middle once Ali Katoa is fit to return. Uh, but big Nas. I mean, he shapes as a huge part of the Storm season. They cannot afford an injury or suspension to the big man. And Craig Bellamy now has some time to work out. It's obvious Nelson has to be on uh, for as long as possible. So if you're going to start him in the middle, Ali Katoa on the edge. I think what we've seen is that they bring him off the bench and then that they might just leave him on. Uh, So that could be the way to go. But if Craig Bellamy uh, paired with the return of Ali Katoa, if Bellieg can work out the perfect way to utilize Nelson Asofa Solomona, which if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Bellamy. That could be the game changer. Melbourne Storm right in the mix for the Premiership this year. They weren't my pick. They're still not my first pick to win it. I don't think they're a ton of people's pick to win it. Uh, but Nelson Asofa Solomona. I tell you what, Melbourne Storm not getting spoken about a lot right now in the Premiership chat. Uh, but Big Nelson, Munster, Harry Grant, across this whole team with Ballyac as the coach. They're just quietly priming themselves for another Premiership push. Uh, So that is big there. Obviously Storm and Panthers at Marvel Stadium next weekend. So I tell you what, Melbourne win that game and then the chat will really begin as far as the Premiership push. So I'm going to jump in there one week early. Uh, Anyway, log forward, Corey Horsburgh. I'll get to Corey in a moment. Uh, but that rounds out the team of round 17. So Drinkwater at fullback, Wateni Zelezniak and Coates on the wings. In the centres, the Panthers combo of Tango and Peachy. Jonah Pezzett, Sean Johnson in the halves. Harry Grant at hooker. AFB and Fodoaker up front. David Fafita, Nelson Asofa Solomona in the back row. And Corey Horsburgh, lock forward. But like I said, I'll get to big Corey in a moment. I'll get to the talking point first, though, of the round. And there's been a bit of extra news to come out on the Sea Eagles front, uh, but I'll save that for the preview podcast. The talking point I had from the weekend that was Ben the Bronco? Question mark. Ben Hunt, could he possibly return to the Broncos? And yeah, there is the argument of like going from a low-placed team to boosting a team that are right in premiership contention in the Broncos, but I'm like, whatever, this is a bit circumstantial, and Dragons are refusing to release him anyway, so right now this is all speculation, Uh, but Ben, if he goes back to the Broncos, I'm like, whatever, did Tevita Pangai Jr. a couple of years ago not make a move around the same time from the Broncos to the Panthers? Panthers going on to win the Premiership, Uh, Tevita Pangai though didn't play in the grand final, but still, I'm just like, fuck it. If he wants to go, yeah, it would make the Broncos stronger, but it's not like it makes them unbeatable. And then the salary cap gets in, comes into question and all that shit. Don't even get me started today on the salary cap. Uh, so right now, Dragons are refusing to release him. That was the talking point, though. Ben Hunt to the Broncos. I do wonder, maybe he stays at St. George for the rest of this year because they're just like, dude, we can't afford to lose you. We do not want to finish in the wooden spoon position, see out the season for us, and we'll grant you a release at the end of the year. Maybe they even try and pull a Swifty 
And at the end of the year, they're like, hey, Dragon's not so bad. You should just stay another year, Ben. Uh, but I believe maybe, and this is with no inside information, uh, but I reckon he might stay at the Dragons for the rest of this year and then head off to the Titans uh, from next year onwards. So we'll have to wait and see. That's the thing. Every single day there's new updates on Ben Hunt. But it's like for the first part he was in Origin Camp. So it's like where the hell are all these updates coming from? Now he's just got out of Origin Camp. The Dragons are saying, no, we're not going to release you. But still, oh, it's taken over the rugby league world. Lucky Luke Brooks had something to say about that. But that's a talking point for another podcast. And yeah, I had a bit more to say on that. But I'm like, now that the Dragons are refusing to release him, uh, let's just wait and see. We can talk more about that if things develop. Jumping on to the Tough Stuff nomination now. And much like last season, at the end of the year, for the end of year wrap podcast, uh, I'll be having the player of the season, which last year, as voted by listeners, was Nico Hines. There are actually a lot of similarities between the votes from the listeners and what ended up being the team of the year. So that was good. It wasn't too much, too much rogue shit. Anyway, Corey Horsburgh, Tough Stuff nomination. Last year's Tough Stuff winner, Isaiah Papali'i during his time at the Eels. Right now, this year, uh, it's going to be a top four format. So the four most nominated throughout the season for Tough Stuff will be eligible to be voted on. Right now, Payne Huss is so clearly in front. But there, there's a lot to play out. And this round, I've gone with Corey Horsburgh as my Tough Stuff nomination. An extra factoid, extra bit of news here. Tom Flegler looks like he's going to be on the sideline for an extended period. Looks certain to miss Origin 3. Now, Corey Horsburgh, he's just coming off some very tough stuff. He was in the Origin camp. He backs up for Canberra. 51 tackles, 145 metres gained, 5 tackle breaks. Very tough performance from the big man. Helps his side earn a crucial 2 points against the Roosters. So Corey couldn't possibly uh, be doing more for the green machine right now. And it's that club form and the fact that he was just in the Origin squad that leads me to believe the Big Red cannot be denied any longer. I think we see Corey Horsburgh on the bench for Queensland in Game 3. And he's well and truly earned it. Uh, I believe the toughest performance just on my eagle eye, not looking at stats or not breaking it down too much, but just from my naked eye, naked as motherfuck eye, Corey Horsburgh, that was the toughest performance of the weekend that my eye saw. And toughness and origin go hand in hand. So Big Red, he's clearly ready. And of course, the rising star for 2023, not just the Sports Report rising star last year, as voted on by the listeners, uh, went to Jeremiah Nanai. Well, we now have our 17th nomination for 2023. And how it's going to work, at the end of the year, I'm going to take the best eight rising stars, or essentially rookies. Uh, I've just stolen the AFL's thing up until the point. And I'm going to continue doing it for years until the AFL's legals team reaches out. And they're like, hey, you got to stop using rising star. But as for right now, I don't believe it's an NRL thing. So rising star. Last year, Jeremiah Nanai 
um, and a top eight qualifier this year. So I'm going to pick the best eight rookies that have been nominated this season in my mind. And then it's going to be like votes. So to get it down to a top four, and then once it's a top four, that's what the end of year vote is on for Rising Star. So kind of confusing explanation, but we'll narrow it down to the best eight. And from there, we vote it down to a top four. And from there, we find out the 2023 Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a bit of an update on who's actually nominated at this stage. A Rising Star nomination for round 17. I had to double check he wasn't already nominated. He's had a fairly good season. Alofi Khan Pereira, the winger for the Titans. So now he is eligible potentially to take out this year's Rising Star Award. Shout out to my One to Watch series as well. Before the season started, I picked one player from every club as kind of a young player to watch, keep an eye on. And for the Titans, Alofi Khan Pereira was my one to watch. So he's doing a great job, now eligible for the Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star. And just quickly, here are the 17 nominations so far in no specific order. Isaiah Katoa, Jacob Preston from the Bulldogs, Sania Taruva, Jareem Bula, Will Warbrick, Paul Alamotti, Junior Tupo from the Tigers, Brandon Hands from the Eels, who actually got nominated in the early part of the season. Uh, but as things start to progress, he's actually really solidifying his case to be one of the top eight at the season's end. Ronald Volkman from the Warriors, Jonah Pezzett, who was in Team of the Round, uh, Valence Tefuare, he is a rising star, no doubt about that. Kyo Weeks, Hasn't been able to fully hit his straps yet, but he did cop a nomination in that draw against the Knights earlier this year. Dean Mariner. Haven't seen much of him this year, but he's an absolute superstar. And going back to my One to Watch series, my One to Watch this year for the Broncos was Dean Mariner. I think when Herbie Farnworth leaves, Dean Mariner, we're going to see a lot more of him. But he gets nominated this year. So probably an unlikely shout for the top eight, unless he comes in and has a huge end to the season. Uh, but Dean Mariner, one to watch going forward. Another from the Broncos, Brendan Piakura. And with the injury to Jordan Rickey, this is another player that has time to strengthen their case for a top eight finish. In the Rising Star, Broncos are definitely going to finish top eight. Cleese Haas, he got nominated a few weeks ago. Dylan Lucas from the Newcastle Knights. And now Alofi Khan Pereira joins that list. So I think last year, respectfully, was slightly stronger in terms of the rising star class. You had uh, Selwyn Cobbo, I believe, Isaac Tunga, Talon May, Jeremiah Nanai, uh, just to name a couple. But this year now, we're starting to see some quality names in there, and they're very important for their respective clubs going forward. So rising star, you'll be able to vote on that at the end of the year. Cause for concern, uh, that's probably the more negative take as far as the performance highlights. I went with Dragons. I don't think I need to justify that. Round 17, cause for concern. Dragons. Uh, but let's, let's take a positive stance now on this Dragons club. Knocking on the door. This is a nomination each week for a player in reserve grade uh, who's stating their case to be playing NRL. And it's had a pretty good strike rate this year. A lot of guys 
who've been nominated for knocking on the door have since found themselves in first grade. Guys like Junior Ponga, who's playing on the wing for the Roosters. Kyle Flanagan copped a nomination, returned to first grade uh, the next week. Jaden Sullivan copped a couple. Uh, but it's another dragon here, Ryan Couchman. Not to be confused with his brother Toby, who we've seen at NRL level, but Ryan Couchman in a dreadful dragon side, or not dreadful, but just definitely expected to lose. They went over to New Zealand to play the Warriors uh, in the New South Wales Cup. Ryan Couchman was unbelievable. Toby Couchman's impressed me as well. Dragons fans, have a fucking smile once in your lives, you know? Cheer up. It's not just Ben Hunt happening. You've got some great young players. You've got a great coach coming in. And you've got a great pair of brothers here. Don't be so bloody sad. Eventually as well, you're going to need money to top these guys up uh, if they play to their potential. So, Dragons, if you need a bit of good news, there it is. Ryan Couchman, he's knocking on the door for first grade. He's saying, Dragons Fords, if you guys aren't going to get the job done, someone give me a go because I'm here to get the job done. So Ryan Couchman, we'll have to wait and see whether we see him at NRL level. Uh, and my selected plug before we jump into the games, the State of Origin 2 review podcast. Coming out a little bit late, I must say. Uh, but I'll tell you why. When I watched the game live, I was so hyped. I deleted a fucking ton of ciders, actually. I should Usually it would be 4x gold, but I saw Brookvale Union ginger beers. And I was like, you know what? That is, I can smash six of those. And I did very quickly. And I just... I had a mate over, we're watching the game, and I was just purely watching as a fan. So I'm like, fuck, I don't really, I can't really go back and do a review podcast until I've actually sat down and properly watched the game. So that's what I'm going to do after this pod. And then, of course, I've still got the round 18 preview podcast uh, to come out. And I'll be opening that one with news and views, talking about some of the big news around the NRL. None more so right now. Luke Brooks to the Manly Seagulls. So that's something I'll chat about in the round 18 pod. Not the only player to have signed with Manly as well. They've just pinched Jackson Paolo and Tommy Talao. Maybe at the expense though of Latu Fainu. So a lot to talk about on that front. But today it's all about round 17. So now there is nothing else to do but get amongst it. Let's launch headfirst into the weekend's games. All right, time to get amongst the games. We'll kick off my lads, my guys, my beloved Warriors. Absolutely smacked the sorry Dragons. I feel sorry for the players. After the past week, watching the fans carry on, I don't feel sorry for the fans. I don't feel sorry for the decision makers at the Dragons. They're getting exactly what they deserve. And in this game, they got exactly what they deserved. A fucking hiding. Now... I'm actually going to talk a bit about the Dragons here, not so much negative, uh, and I'll more quickly speak about the Warriors, and then in the next podcast for the round 18 preview, Warriors hosting the Rabbitohs, uh, I'll be a bit more in-depth about the Warriors in the preview podcast, but when I was going through my notes, interestingly, the shitty Dragons were the ones that I felt like I had a few things to mention, so shout out to the Warriors. 
As far as where we sit in the competition, I'm beginning to get very, very excited. Four tries to Dallin Wateni's Lesniak, Chance was everywhere, Sean Johnson was everywhere, Jackson Ford taught his old side a valuable lesson, maybe you could have done with Jackson Ford uh, over at the Dragons. Basically everyone, everyone stepped up, they played their role to perfection, I couldn't be happier. A plus as a Warriors fan. Uh, but I'll get onto the Dragons now. It's time for a rebuild. Let's just let Ben Hunt go, can we? It's very clearly time to rebuild this club, and Ben Hunt, at the back end of his career, shouldn't need to stick around for a club that kind of needs to blow everything up and start from scratch. But I'm an optimistic guy, unlike Dragons fans, apparently. Uh, there are plenty of positive signs going forward. I mentioned the Couchman brothers. You have a great core group of young talent at this club. You also have another set of brothers in the Guy twins. I believe they're twins anyway. Uh, you have Zach Lomax, still very much a young player. Look at the halves situation. Jaden Sullivan, Talatau Amon. The future could be very bright, but decisions have to be made now to allow for success. And those decisions haven't been made for a long time. Shane Flanagan, he's the right guy, no doubt, to rebuild this club. And it's already begun. Our word is that he's told Moses Embai, mate, you will not be needed at the Dragons next year. And there are plenty of other changes that have to be made. But in my opinion, look, Jacob Little is solid, but I think Dragons need a game-changing nine. And Little, throughout his career in the lower grades, there were plenty of signs that he could be this game-changing nine. So Dragons, they might already have their guy, uh, but they need to build around that. But if Jacob Little isn't that guy, I really think they need to target a game-changing number nine. Release Ben Hunt, free up over a million dollars in the cap. Shane Flanagan, he has full autonomy over this playing roster. A clean-out's overdue uh, if they want to get up and running again. So I would use the Ben Hunt money to bring a 9 to the club. Because if I look at their 1, 6 and potentially 7, Sloan, Amon and Sullivan, give them a go. We've wanted to see them have a go. Maybe it's a little bit sooner uh, than planned. But at some point, I mean, you have it right there, the nucleus for your long-term spine. Keep these young players happy. Give them a go and you'll be rewarded uh, once other clubs come knocking by some loyalty and these players sticking by you. Otherwise, as soon as they get the chance, they're probably going to go elsewhere for a crack at first grade. So Tyrell Sloan, Talatau Amon, Jaden Sullivan, look, they look the Dragons destined to finish near last place this year. They don't look like they're going to surprise us all next year. So why not? Why not just see what these kids can do? And in fact, it's the Dragons' job, which they haven't been doing, to actually develop these young superstars. It's not just sink or swim for the players. It's actually on the club to develop them as well, which the Dragons, under Anthony Griffin, were doing very poorly, in my opinion, regardless of the fact that that traditionally has been a strength of hooks. The development of the young players was poor, and I would love to see the 167 and not, uh, 167, sorry, get get a crack. And then you have Jacob Little, who he could be the guy, he really could. Uh, but the player movement 
market. It's just constantly changing. And I've looked at some examples of potential signings, looking at who's off contract. I think they could do with getting a backup half or someone to play halfback and then allow Sullivan and Amon to compete for a position. Uh, but Jaden Sullivan, my first preference would be for them to back Sullivan and Amon. Uh, some other names, though, the Dragons could look to. Jack Cogger doing an outstanding job for the Dragons. He has a little bit more experience, runs on the board than Jaden Sullivan. But by no means is he like a marquee player. So very much you could have Cogger and Sullivan competing for the halfback position. Brandon Wakeham, off contract at the Tigers. I think he's done a fantastic job. Why not sign him? And then you back Sullivan Amonem. And if need be, Wakeham has shown he can do a job. Uh, Chad Townsend, maybe. Obviously, he'd cost a bit more. But if you could get maybe the Cowboys to pay some of his wage. Chad Townsend, he's a premiership winning halfback. But that would have to be unders. You've also got Nicarima, Anthony Milford over at the Dolphins. They come off contract soonish. Uh, so maybe look at them. And again, Nicarima can play fullback, can play dummy half. You could play him as a 14. And again, the overriding theme, I want to see Tullatawa Moan and Sullivan as the halves. A couple of other options. Uh, Dean Hawkins at the Rabbitohs. He could be a quality pickup uh, for not much money at all. Drew Hutchison, who was actually a Dragons junior, has a bit of versatility value. Or Dane Laurie, who I think his best football uh, would be played in the halves. Dane Laurie. Again, he can put, play multiple positions, and he's not a walk-in starter. So you could have Sullivan, Amon, and Laurie competing for the position. And Laurie also able to play fullback. Uh, but number nine, the main point I wanted to get to. And interestingly... Jacob Little, like I said, there's still time for him to actually become that game-changing number nine. Uh, but time is of the essence here, and I think they could use the Ben Hunt money to allure a dummy half. Now, Wade Egan would be my number one suggestion, but he's a warrior, so you can keep your filthy hands off him. I hope he goes nowhere near uh, your hellhole of a club, to be honest. I love Wade Egan at the Warriors, but that is probably my best example. And Jacob Little has a, has a bit of game breaker about him. But yeah, I feel like the number nine is so important in this comp. And you could still play Little off the bench. So Wade Egan would be my first suggestion, but you guys can go away. Uh, Tom Starling, potentially, you could do the combination of Little and Starling, and then just tell them, you know, really utilize your running game, become a spark of this team, and say Little starts, okay Little, once you're tired, Tom Starling, come on. Jaden Beryl is another one at the Sharks, just waiting for an opportunity, and he would cost fuck all, maybe worth a look into. Or Kyle Flanagan to maybe play 14. He's been playing lock forward in the Bulldogs reserve grade, also been playing dummy half. His dad is Shane Flanagan. They're kind of looking for a halfback, they're kind of looking for a number nine, Kyle Flanagan, why not at this point, honestly? Uh, but overriding theme, I think you need to back the guys in. And at this point, if you can't get anyone else, then back Jacob Little in. Sullivan, Amon, Sloan, Little, let Ben Hunt go. And I tell you what, if all four of those spine players for the Dragons start to fire, one, you'll need a bit of cash to upgrade them 
uh, once they have earned it through performance. And two, let's say the four of them are killing it as a combination. None of them are a million dollar player. So all of a sudden, you can strengthen up your front row. You can strengthen up your edges. You can strengthen up your back five. Uh, so, yeah, there's plenty to be positive about Dragons, but at this stage, they're refusing to release Ben Hunt altogether. Uh, Connor Watson, he was another one that I wrote down, maybe not for the halves or number nine, per se, but I think the Dragons could use a player like Connor Watson. Enough about the Dragons, though, and up the mighty Warriors. I am stoked with that performance, beyond pumped as well for the rest of the season, and it's just been a long long time since the Warriors have been a genuine force in this competition. There's been so much disappointment, agony, and a lot of pandemic-related adversity for the team ever since our dream run to the 2011 Grand Final. Lots of mediocrity since then, but now this new-look Warriors, they are producing the goods in 2023. The exciting part is that the best footy of the year is still ahead of us. Let's fucking go. It is a great time to be a Warriors fan. Dragon fans, hang in there. It's your turn to suffer for a little bit. Not that you guys have been killing it recently. Anyway, we flogged you, and like I said, after the way the Dragons fans were behaving, and sorry if I come across arrogant as here uh, on here, but the way the Dragons fans turned against Ben Hunt, and obviously that's not all of them, but just seeing enough comments and he should play reserve grade. I'm like, oh, that's a genius idea. Have a million dollar player sitting in reserve grade. That's not going to completely fuck your team. And just the way they turned against Ben Hunt, even before I knew Dragons were playing the Warriors, I was just like, I was kind of off their fans. Once I saw Warriors were playing them, I said it on the preview podcast. I hope we absolutely flog yous. And we did. No disrespect meant to the Dragons players, though. Uh, they are the ones... Really, other than struggling on the field, they're the ones who are not doing anything wrong. They're the ones being wronged by the Dragons organization being such a farce. So Dragons, I hoped we flogged you. We did. Now we move on. Wow, speaking of floggings, uh, Parramatta on the Sunshine Coast. My goodness. Beautiful, beautiful beaches, beautiful weather, nice bodies of water, which I guess bodies of water. It's what the eels are all about. Now, they have pulled five straight wins out of their ass. It's gone from what a disastrous season to the boys are on, quite frankly. And 48 to 20 winners. Shout out on the Dolphins side to Braden McGrady scoring a try on debut. Uh, Valence Tefuare crossed as well, and a hammer double. Outside of that, I mean, the first half, first, yeah, first half, how many tries? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven fucking tries. I was working, so I kind of just checked in in bits and bobs, and every time I checked in, the eels were just streaking away for another try. Now, this is huge. For the Dolphins, they're really starting to lose steam just as far as this year's finals. Uh, series is concerned, but the Parramatta Eels, quite the opposite. Five straight wins, last year's grand finalists, everything is starting to click. And they now find themselves, given how close this competition is, back in top four contention. So for Parramatta fans, 
pretty frustrating start to the season has been totally turned around. Inconsistency had been the theme, but five straight wins tells us that the Eels, they're up and about. The challenge now is for them to maintain this level. Now, looking at the Roosters, oh, Roosters, they are going shite. Definitely not getting around the Roosters right now. Don't know where that came from. Clint Gutherson, just checking out the Eels team. He is close to career best form right now. And he has the experience on the board. He's the heart and soul. Like, he is the heartbeat of this Eels team. And over the last month or so, Gutho's actually been one of the form players of this entire competition, as evident by the streak that they're on. On the wings, Mike Acevo, an absolute cult hero of the club. And on the other side, Sean Russell, which going back to my pre-season One to Watch series, my One to Watch for the Eels was none other than Sean Russell, doing quite a fantastic job. A bit mad shout out to the centres, Will Penasini, still with his best years in front of him, he is really starting to hum on field, getting things right in terms of his pass selection, when to run, and geez, did he know when to run in this game. Burnt the defenders multiple times, and as the season progresses, Will Penasini and Bailey Simonson, who has answered the SOS for some strike on the edge, Simonson and Penasini, there's some real punch in the centres for the Eels. A position where, yeah, they'd been lacking some punch. That was almost what was holding them back from premiership calculations. So if Simonson and Penasini can keep this up, my goodness. Penasini has New South Wales blue written all over him uh, over the next few seasons. Like, we're only just scratching the surface with Penasini. So this is really exciting for Eels fans. I'm super happy to see Dejan Arcee in the number six. Of course, he played for my beloved Warriors last year. And once a warrior, always a warrior. Same goes for my man Ofahiki Ogden, who played in the front row. Uh, but yeah, Dejan Arcee, really happy to see him take this opportunity with both hands. Mitch Moses, uh, another leading player at this club. Coming off a sad Origin 2 game, best way I can put it. Uh, but his form at NRL level all of this year has been exceptional. Even when the Eels were not doing so good, they weren't able to produce the results. Mitch Moses, uh, he was still doing everything in his power to try and get the Eels the win. Now that everything's starting to gel, Eels on a five-game win streak, if you want to know who the guy is with the keys to this team, Mitchell Moses, especially with Dylan Brown out, and a massive shout-out to Brad Arthur, one of the most criticised coaches in this competition, and we talk about everything in this five-fight run, but we don't often talk about just what a tremendous job, once again, Brad Arthur has done, with a club that when he took over was on its knees. They were the Tigers or the Dragons for the longest time, dwelling down the bottom of the ladder. There were so many talks of who's going to be that halfback. The Chris Sandow experiment failed. Corey Norman coming to the club didn't quite work out. And everyone, it always came back to, you know, well, they're not Peter Sterling. They'll never be Peter Sterling, old Sterlo. And then the question of who the hell is actually going to get this team up and running. Ricky Stewart didn't want a bar of it. Stephen Kearney, a coach with much promise, couldn't deliver the results 
at all. Brad Arthur was the one who turned this operation around. And he's got guys like Mitchell Moses playing in the form of their career. Now at the front row, Paolo started off the bench. Obviously, he is a huge part of this side, uh, just coming off origin. Regan Campbell-Gillard. Now that you've got Paolo, Campbell-Gillard, Ofehiki Ogden, and Joe Ofehigengawe, throw in Makahesi Makatoa, and even Wiramu Grieg, who performed well throughout the season. And the middle of the field, certainly no issue for Parramatta. Brendan Hands, eligible for the Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star this year, hasn't he just taken his opportunity? Now, I actually tipped the Dolphins, uh, and my point of difference was Jeremy Marshall King, who didn't end up playing. A shout out to Harrison Graham, though, quality young hooker who got his debut, as did Josh Kerr, first game for the Dolphins. Uh, but back to the Eels. They seem set in the middle, and with no Jeremy Marshall King, the stage was set for someone in that dummy half role to steal the show. Brendan Hans did exactly that, and the Penrith Jr., well, the loss of Reed Marnie was a massive one, because Josh Hodgson never seemed like, I mean, you're not going to have 10 years of Josh Hodgson. He's a little bit closer toward the end of his career. So to see Brendan Hans now start to grow confidence in himself and really have a major role within this Parramatta team, uh, that can only be a good thing. Hodgson and Hands, if Brad Arthur can get that combo right, they're going to cause a lot of teams some trouble at the back end of the season. Bryce Cartwright in the back row, just a career redemption story this year. Uh, he was one of the best players on the park. And of course, we remember the young Bryce Cartwright who burst onto the scene at the Panthers. Highly exciting prospect. Things just didn't work out. Then at the Titans, couldn't get going. This is another Brad Arthur masterstroke. Just bringing a player in, getting the best out of him. And we know, Bryce Cartwright, the talent has always been there. So now that they're really unlocking his potential, Bryce Cartwright, another part of this team that is becoming integral. And this is awesome because at the start of the year, I think they were relying a bit too heavily on Paolo and RCG. Uh, alongside Moses and Brown. But now, literally everyone is pulling their weight. Like, everybody has a significant role to play. Gutho's been killing it. The centers have been on fire. The wingers scoring tries, making meters. Dejan Arce, a backup half, getting the job done. Uh, and Bryce Cartwright, just another one of these players who now, you're not just thinking, okay, we're going to defend the middle forwards of the Eels, or we're going to have to make sure we're on because they're halves and they're centres and they're wingers. Now the back row, Bryce Cartwright, he's hard to study as well, has an offload in this game, has some unorthodox methods that he can sometimes bring into play, uh, and just his attacking spark in this game was fantastic. So great to see Bryce Cartwright back in form. Andrew Davey started the year at the Bulldogs, and now he's a the Eels starting in the back row, a player who got a pretty late start in his career, well now he's part of a team who are trying to make what would be a legendary premiership push. Jermaine Hopgood, one of the signings of the year, no doubt about that, playing pretty much at home on the Sunshine Coast, so it was a big occasion for him, he certainly delivered back-to-back -back weeks where Hopgood has crossed for a try, and again, 
This is just another perfect part of the puzzle. And the Eels, I was not that crash hot on them at the start of the season. But now as everything progresses from 1 to 17, I'm starting to really like the look of the Eels. On the bench, they had Junior Paolo, Joe Afahengawi, Makahesi Makatoa, all guys who shore up that middle, and Ryan Matteson, who can step into the halves, back row, front row, wherever you need him. Ryan Matteson, another player who just adds such a dynamic threat to the Eels' offense, and defensively extremely sound as well. Throw in the fact that you've still got Sean Lane to come back. I really like where the Eels are at. Shout out to Brad Arthur, shout out to the Eels, uh, and for the Dolphins, look, very bright future, but as far as the final series this year, they're seriously starting to lose their grasp, so they are going to need to bounce back in a big way next round, and I think I might just have a look. I think the Eels might have the bye next up. They do, and of course, I'll finish this podcast with Ladder Watch. But let me just check. So Eels are currently 7th. With the bye, they're going to go up to 22 points, uh, which is where the Sharks sit in 4th. So they're well and truly in top 4 calculations. They can take a week off now, and that can almost alleviate this pressure of having to keep the winning streak going. You can take a week off, look at some areas of your game that need to improve, but the confidence is there. No harm in taking a week off to just physically recover, especially given Moses played the Origin game, as did Junior Paolo. Parramatta. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know I split the season uh, into, or the regular season, into three parts. So round one to round nine, just before Magic Round, that was my first third of the season. Uh, And on one of the weekend wraps, I broke down like the first third as a whole. The second part of the season, when shit just starts going off its head, it begins at Magic Round. Everyone gathered in one place, and it goes through the Origin series. And you've got to come through, navigate a very tricky period. Well, the final third of the season is fast approaching, and that begins at the conclusion of the Origin series. Parramatta, their first third of the season, left a lot to be desired. In this second part, where things get significantly more important, they have lifted their game. The key now, and they've set themselves up very nicely, but if Parramatta want to be a premiership threat, they need to get the final third of this season right. Keep this hot run going and finish in the top four. Parramatta, you've also got the Cowboys now rising up the ladder. It has been the best season in a long, long time. And for Parramatta fans, well, could it be the best season of your lifetimes? We'll have to wait and see, but congrats to Para on another huge win. That makes it five straight. Up next, Panthers proved too good, even without their origin stars for the Knights. 20 to 12 winners. Frustrating. That'd be the word I could probably sum up the Newcastle Knights season. Callum Ponga was on uh, Maddie Johns, the Fox Sports show. It's definitely not called that, but he's got a fucking few shows. So the one on Sunday after the games, I checked that out for a bit. And Callum Ponga made a great point. Like the team, we've seen them put up a fight this year. 
and there's definitely been improvements in the Newcastle Knights, as evident by them being able to actually challenge some of the best teams in the competition. But we've seen across the board, and you look at how close this competition is, there's been a lot of improvement in every single side, basically, especially as the season goes on. So for the Knights, they're actually improving, but they're just improving at a much lesser rate than the rest of the competition. I think that's a case of what's going down here. They've played above my expectations this year, uh, but yeah, pretty simple, straightforward performance here for the Panthers. They got it done. I'd already kind of put a line through Newcastle after the last couple of weeks as far as their finals hopes for this year. Um, but Penrith Panthers, they were my pick preseason to go the three-peat. I'm still sticking with it, although Warriors, I will not complain if the Warriors get the job done uh, for once in my lifetime. Uh, but Isaac Tungo, I mentioned him. He was massive, ran for 258 metres. Tyrone Peachy scored a double. Dylan Edwards was at his fantastic best. And just across the board, Panthers just doing Panthers things. Uh, had young Liam Henry, Tom Jenkins come into the side. It's going to be interesting, like, what their best 17 is come the finals, if there are injuries, things like that. You've got Jack Cogger doing a fantastic job. And yeah, Panthers, this one a pretty easy one to wrap up. They were just too good. And I'm going to save most of my Panthers chat for the preview podcast, because the Marvel Stadium game against the Melbourne Storm, that is going to be one of the clashes of this season. Couldn't really say that about uh, an origin-affected Panthers against Knights. So I'll save most of my energy for the preview. Uh, for Newcastle fans, hang in there. They're just... You've got some great young players. We saw the SG ball this year. They made the grand final. Uh, they've already lost one, I'm pretty sure, to the Rabbitohs. Uh, but Newcastle, there's stuff to work with. There are decisions that need to be made. We will have to wait and see whether Adam O'Brien is the right guy uh, to take them to great heights. But yeah, there's a bit to play out with the Newcastle Knights. But I'm honestly not anti-Knights at the moment. I think they've put in commendable displays, the toughness, the heart has always been there, uh, just not the results. So, yeah, the rest of the season, they're just going to have to work out what they're playing for. Uh, they're not they're not going to be part of finals, but there is still a hell of a lot to play for. Panthers, though, they are chasing the three-peat. Another win to put pressure on the ladder-leading Broncos. Onto the Saturday night action in Melbourne. Last game at Amy Park before the FIFA Women's World Cup begins. Uh, so Melbourne going to be shifting to Marvel Stadium, which is actually a massive stadium. Not as fan-friendly in terms of the view uh, as Amy Park, but the atmosphere, I tell you what, Panthers game is going to be off its head. Broncos as well, they're going to be playing at the Gabba. So there you go. Uh, but as far as this game, Storm 24-6 winners. Xavier Coates with a double in my team of the week. Jonah Pezzett with a try, two try assists in my team of the week. Nelson Asofa Solomona scored a try in the team of the week as well. Jerome Hughes, not in team of the week, but he is starting to hit a purple patch of form. No pun intended. Uh, but with this game, look, I was really confident uh, Manly were going to lose. Ruben Garrick to fullback, I believe that's the right call. Good to see how Molly Olakawatu 
hit a little bit of form. Uh, but yeah, big news breaking around some signings at the Seagulls. And not just some signings, but some re-signings. Whilst a talented young half also are going to be out the door. So there's a lot going on at the Seagulls. And there is going to be tons going on for the Melbourne Penrith Clash at Marvel Stadium. So with these two sides, I'm going to focus more of the chat, more of my energy on them uh, in the Round 18 preview podcast. I want to keep this, there's still a few games to go, so I don't want to go too far over the two-hour mark if I don't have to. So yeah, this game was pretty straightforward. Melbourne looked incredible, and they primed themselves for a huge Round 18 game against the back-to-back Premiers. Last team to win other than the Panthers... Well, it was the Melbourne Storm. And, of course, some comments from Christian Welch about the Knights. How did the Knights lose to the Panthers when they didn't have their guys? There's going to be narrative. There's going to be storyline. But as far as the game itself, I am very much looking forward to this one. Storm going to be coming in off a win. While Seagulls, yeah, there's going to be plenty to talk about them. uh, Around them, sorry. I can't speak English. Holy shit. Nothing probably more so than old Luke Brooks. So plenty to talk about, uh, but I'll save that for the round 18 preview. As far as today's weekend wrap, round 17, biggest takeaway from this game is that whilst it's a new era for the Melbourne Storm, they bring their own strengths, they have their own weaknesses as well. Uh, If they can keep Big Nelson on the park, well, they're a good shout, potentially, to go all the way and unsurp the Premiers in the Panthers who they play in round 18. How good. Biggest takeaway for the Seagulls, I think top eight's beyond them. Jake Trebojevic set to come back though, so that will strengthen them a lot. Uh, I just think now, no Tom Trebojevic. I think it's a little bit beyond them. But we'll wait and see. Happy to be proven wrong. Now though, we're going to get amongst the Sunday action. On to the upset of the round. The ladder-leading Broncos with a bit of a slip-up against the Gold Coast Titans. Jim Lenahan's first game in charge. No more Holbrook. Des Hasler on the way. Plenty happening for the Titans. And it looked like their season was going to be a casualty of all of these happenings. But could it be quite the opposite? The Titans showed us what we've known they've been capable of but very rarely they've been able to execute, and they did it against the informed team of the 2023 season. It's a bump in the road for the Broncos. Uh, we'll wait and see how they bounce back from this. That's how I always like to look at things. But for the Titans, well, the time is now to make a run, essentially. Fantastic game from David Fafita. He was my best on ground. And look, Titans have some definite winning games on the run home. They also have some challenging games to come against top sides. Uh, But I wanted to just look at the next three games for the Gold Coast Titans, who now find themselves in ninth place. And if last weekend was a reflection of what the Gold Coast Titans are going to produce for the rest of this year, they're in top eight contention. This season is not quite done yet. But the first task, and look, in this next three-game period, The classic Titans that we've come to know, I think they win either one of three or none of three. I think they would win one of three. But now, if they want to be a legitimate finals contender, one, they need to fix their defense, 
which was on point against the Broncos to their credit. And two, they need to win two of these next three games, in my opinion, to really boost themselves. Because a lot of teams are improving. A lot of teams are doing some fantastic things. You've got the Cowboys, you've got the Eels, who are making runs from lower parts on the ladder. Uh, so Gold Coast Titans, the time for their run, it really has to start now. Round 18, they have the Raiders in Canberra. So we're going to learn a bit about them in that game. Then the Dolphins at Seabus Super Stadium. We of course remember the Dolphins' incredible comeback. Uh, classic Titans bed shit. That is the one game I have them winning. The Raiders game, that makes this next game hugely important. If they win that, then they're coming off a Broncos win. They beat the Raiders, another top 8 side. That sets them up nicely against the Dolphins side that are starting to slip up. But again, if Titans lose to Raiders and Dolphins are able to get a win in round 18, then by the time they match up, there are going to be major top 8 implications. Then the Titans play Parramatta, who I spoke about. They are rolling at the moment in round 20. So at, on the surface, like straight away, I'd say they probably lose in Canberra and they probably lose to the Eels, but beat the Dolphins. So I would say over the next three weeks, their goal should just be, let's win two out of these three games. And if they win all three, then they're off to the races. Uh, but this, there's still a bit of a wait and see approach around the Gold Coast Titans. Despite the best win of the round, we just know, we know they're prone to a few bad shits. Uh, so we'll have to see if they can keep up this ruthless aggression. But if they can, well the stats from earlier this year would suggest they can be one of the top sides. It's been defence that has let them down. Can they get it right? Well, we're about to find out, starting against the Raiders in Canberra. So very much looking forward to the round 18 preview. Uh, and biggest takeaway from this game? Well, the Broncos, I certainly had them winning this game. Uh, they're just going to have to study some tape, work out what they need to improve on. And like I've said before, top spot is theirs to lose. For the Gold Coast Titans, this now totally rejuvenates their season. And with interim Jim, Mr. Jim Lenahan in charge, no Justin Holbrook, which I was sad to see him go, but I love the Hasler appointment. The mood, the vibe, the energy, all that shit, it seems to be shifting at the Gold Coast Titans. Now next year looks promising, but they sit ninth right now. They are not going to give up on this season, and there is no reason as to why they should. Because every year, they're aiming for the first ever premiership for the Gold Coast franchise. Uh, so it's a massive time for the Titans, especially going forward. And it's a big ask for Jim Lenahan as an interim coach to lead this side for the rest of the season. But biggest takeaway is that Gold Coast, I'm not putting a line through them just yet. Massive games coming up in round 18, but now let's get to the penultimate game of the weekend round. Sticking on the theme of sides making a run from outside of the eight, the Cowboys, whose season has been on the line over the last few weeks, they're clicking into gear. And I think everyone across the board, our rugby league fans in general, looking at teams outside of the top eight, Cowboys are the team poised to strike. Cowboys, wow, hugely impressed. Murray Talungi, 
What a player. Valentine Holmes scoring a double in this game. They've got back rowers galore. Akulikefu Finifuaki scoring a try. Uh, thanks to Scott Drinkwater, who made team of the round at fullback, was one of the best players. Uh, and look, the spine. The spine is where the bread is buttered here. They've got some epic back rowers, Nanai, Leilua. Uh, you've still got Kazeski, who's not in this side right now. Ruben Cotter in the front row. There's a lot to love, but uh, yeah, I put it down to the spine. Interesting to see as well, Semi Velame. Um, part of this kind of turnaround in form has been Semi being picked over a club legend, a grand final winning try scorer, Kyle Felt. So big developments there. Uh, Petahiku in the centres, which as a Warriors guy, love Petahiku. Hasn't been his best year so far this year, uh, but as part of this run, I tell you what, Petahiku, do not write him off. Bound for Hull Kingston Rovers next year. Uh, but it's the spine now for the Cowboys that needs to make this run. Scott Drinkwater hitting top form. Tom Dearden doing the same. Chad Townsend? Well, now it's about him just handling all the halfback responsibilities and winning games where he's needed. But at the same time, at the moment, you can really allow for Dearden and Drinkwater to almost run the show. Reese Robson at dummy half, coming off an origin debut. Look, even despite the loss, he's going to take a lot of confidence in himself uh, and in his abilities. And the Cowboys, there is absolutely no doubt about it that they are poised to make an incredible run. And with Warriors being my number one team, Raiders being my second team, they're both sitting at points where I'm kind of like, I could do without this Cowboys run. But just as a rugby league fan, my goodness, uh, this is as exciting as it gets. And before I sign off to the last game of the round, I'm going to check out the Cowboys' next couple of games. They play the Tigers, who put 66 points on them. Uh, but that's in Townsville, Cowboys' heavy favourites. Then they play the Seagulls at Four Pines. From memory last year, they had an incredible comeback there uh, through Valentine Holmes. That's, that's going to be a tough game, but we'll wait and see. There's no margin for error right now for Cowboys, so that will be must win. They have a bye uh, next, or in round 19, so they play Tigers, have a bye, then Seagulls. Then they play the Eels in Townsville. A preliminary final replay, and two sides that by that point, my goodness, that'll be a marquee game of the round. Uh, then they play the Titans on the Gold Coast, the Broncos in Townsville, Another bye in round 24 before they set their sights on the finals series. So Cowboys have a huge run coming up. It's a big win. It's a great win against the Bunnies who are starting to slide in terms of form. They're getting hit by injury. Uh, one of the front runners of this competition heading into the origin period are now not so much the case. So Rabbitohs with plenty of improvement. Cowboys hitting their straps. But the thing is, yes, this was an amazing win, but there have been some poor losses as well. So Cowboys, they can't afford to lose over the next few weeks. They have a couple of buys, and yeah, they can maybe afford, between now and round 24, one loss. Maybe more? I don't know. The ladder's kind of fucking with my head. Sometimes I think teams are fucked, and then it's like, oh my goodness, they could win the Premiership. Uh, so yeah. The ladder's kind of messing with my mind, but Cowboys, wow. I think the feeling around the game right now 
is that they are about to make a run. So we'll wait and see who is going to be the side that can stop this North Queensland outfit. Final game of the round at Allianz Stadium. Raiders 20-18 over the Roosters. Raiders at one stage, the green machine was rearing its head. 18-0 up, Joey Manu basically single-handedly tried to lead the Roosters to victory. Lindsay Collins had a big game, Daniel Tupo, Victor Radley, but it's just not working at the Sydney Roosters, plain and simple. Like, they actually, right now, look like they're going to miss out on finals, in my opinion, which is a big call, but unless they can pull some Ben Hunt shit out of their ass, they're in a bit of trouble. They really are. They should be premiership contenders. I, I don't have any sympathy because they have a premiership winning caliber roster. Roster? That's not a word. Roster? Um, so yeah, I don't really feel sorry for the Roosters. They've had it too good for too long. And now it is just not working. Raiders, despite having a great season so far, when you look at statistics, there are some alarm bells around the Raiders that suggest there is still much work that needs to be done. Yet again, going 18-0 up, but instead of going on with the job, you almost lose. 20-18. to 18. Unbelievable. Jared Croker, a penalty goal. Really, the only difference. So, Roosters, yet again, in the losers column. Raiders, look, that is a vital win. A win's a win. There's no doubt about that. Sets us up beautifully for Raiders and the Titans. And of course, Roosters next round. Well, their season is essentially on the line. So it's going to be massive round 18 ahead. Cannot wait to launch into the preview. But let's finish today's weekend wrap by looking at the ladder. There we go. I've actually kept us under an hour and a half so far. So we'll finish off with the ladder watch. Obviously, buys, many other things come into calculations. So it's not a true reflection of exactly where the competition is at, but it's week to week a fun way to finish the pod. So let's do it. Finishing off the weekend wrap with Ladder Watch. All right, we'll go from bottom to top because, yeah, I don't like to finish on a negative note. At the very bottom, the Dragons on 12 competition points. Yep, they're my cause for concern for the round. Didn't even need to justify that. And the fans, shout out to the fans who aren't carrying on like babies. I feel for you guys, but like I've said in the pod, there are reasons to be happy. Uh, but for the Dragons fans that turned on Ben Hunt and were carrying on like pork chops, well, you're now sitting dead last. So maybe it's not Ben Hunt that's the problem. 16th place, moving up in the world. Woot woot, the Tigers. That's the thing, we're all feeling pretty good now about the Tigers. They just got to sort out their halves, what's going to happen there going forward. But yeah, Tigers were actually, I feel better about than the Dragons right now. Bulldogs, they're moving up in the world thanks to the bye. 15th place, but severely out of form. They play the 14th place Knights, who are one point ahead of them on 15 competition points in round 18. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting one. Bulldogs severely out of form. And for Newcastle, well, it's pretty much going to decide whether they spend the rest of the season 
trying to avoid the wooden spoon, or whether they're going to be up around mid-table pushing for the eight. They're now five points out of the eight, so there's a line through the bottom four, Knights, Bulldogs, Tigers, Dragons. Next year, good luck to you. 13th placed, moving down, the Manly Seagulls. Their season, look, three points out of the eight. They need to pick up steam more than any of the other sides still in contention. Roost is sitting 12th, like I said, just not working. Only one win outside of the eight. But yeah, very poor thus far. They don't look like they're going to make a run, although they are very capable of doing so. Also on 18 competition points, the 11th place Dolphins, they continue to lose momentum. But on the positive side, thanks to their fantastic first half of the season, if the Dolphins can bounce back, finals is not beyond them. In 10th place on 18 points as well, the Cowboys, well, they just simply have to keep winning. And it looks like they may just do so. Ninth placed Gold Coast Titans, they're on 20 points. So right now, they actually, uh, they're a shot in the eight. Now they've only played 14 games. So yeah, they're not, they're equal in the eight right now, but a few losses and they're fucking, they're gone skis. So big, big point of the season for the ninth place Titans. The Rabbitohs continue their slide. They are now sitting in eighth position traveling to Auckland next round. On 20 points, moving up, the Parramatta Eels. And again, with buys factoring in, Eels doing maybe even better than the latter suggests. So Eels, massive point in their season. Crucial win for the Raiders against the Roosters. Shout out to Jack Whiten, Matt Tomoko, Albert Hopawate, uh, who had great games. And very unfortunate to see Josh Papali'i go down. Uh, hopefully, he gets well as soon as possible. And I tell you what, quick call. I know we've been talking about Corey Horsburgh, Joe Tarbonet, and a lot of other Raiders players. I reckon over the next month or so, someone who's going to actually pop up into a bit of conversation is Emre Gula. I'm going to make the call. Emre Gula comes into the side and starts hitting career best form. So Raiders sit sixth place. They're in equal fourth though. So top four, definitely the goal. My mighty Warriors in fifth on 22 competition points. Warriors, my absolute number one club, uh, but Raiders also the family team. So it, it's been almost never when I get a season where both the Warriors and Raiders are going well, especially the Warriors. So I'm cherishing this. Warriors, let's go boys. Top four finish is now in our sights if we can get it together. The Sharks are on oh, 22 points, sitting in fourth. And then all on 24 points. Broncos still with a game in hand. The Panthers first, Broncos second, Storm who play the Panthers sitting third. So that sets us up beautifully for round 18. Uh, I'm happy I kept this to just over 90 minutes. There was a stage where I was thinking, shit, we're definitely going over the two hour mark. Uh, but I will do a bit more of an in-depth round 18 preview because as we've established on today's podcast, it is such a crucial juncture of the season for pretty much every side in this competition. So I cannot wait to launch in to the round 18 preview. Yes, 
even the Bulldogs and Knights. I can't wait. It's going to be a great game. I refuse to use the term Pooslinger. I, I think we're just, I don't know, it's not the most important game of the season. But for both clubs, for the sets of fans, for the players, it is important. So round 18 preview, that is what's coming up next. And at some stage this week, the Origin Review Podcast for sure as well. Sorry that that's out late, but better late than never. That has been it for today though. The weekend wrap, round 17. We turn our attention to round 18 now. And until the preview podcast, that has been all. Thank you for listening. Appreciate the support. And until next time, take care of yourselves.